Tatra, Amistro Bin Hazarta. Satir I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Read it. Hi, and welcome to a very special episode of Don't Read the Latin. I'm your co-host, Rias Hall. I'm Jennifer Lovely. <laughs> and tonight, instead of talking about our usual subject, which is horror, 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 we're going to talk about real-world horrors. And real-world things that aren't horrors, because we're talking about... Documentaries! documentaries! <laughs> It is going to be Jennifer and Rice's Documentary Corner. Boom, boom, boom. He gets mad when he, when his Jim does all the editing. He's like, you were saying stuff. Like, where the musical cue is supposed to go. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jim. <laughs> so what have you seen lately? Lately, that I have is seen or isn't? nothing. Aww. <laughs> Um, I watched, went to the theater. I did go see Solo. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Thought it was a lot of fun. Probably not my favorite Star Wars movie, but there is. But I absolutely, it gave me everything I wanted. It was a fun adventure story. It had an attractive young gentleman in the lead. His name was Chewbacca. I was going to say, <laughs> it had Chewbacca. It had Chewbacca, and he was awesome. And uh, that's really all I was expecting. And I know that... Some people are like, well, he didn't yeah. like it because it didn't make enough money. doesn't need to make enough money. Disney's no. got some money. They can afford to not make a billion, billion dollars. They can have some highs dollars. and lows. Yeah. Right. And it's to, just because a movie doesn't make money doesn't mean it's not a fun movie. Exactly. A lot of fun. I enjoyed it an awful lot. I went and saw it, too. Yeah. Um, went also and saw um, Deadpool 2, which I, don't, oh. I can't remember if we talked about it in the last one. Uh, we, I don't think we did okay. i didn't watch a first well i did watch the first deadpool movie but it's kind of bro for me it is a little and bro-y. i know that's the deadpool character and it's fine and also yeah. I, I have watched shocked. every jackass movie yeah. so oh, see, i have <laughs> you have a bro tolerance so i have a bro tolerance <laughs> i'll probably see it on video i was really surprised with how much i i really really love the first one and i really like the second one I, okay. I cried a bunch of times um I've been watching a lot of, oh, 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 and so two things. I love your intro for the night library so much. <laughs> oh, the spookiness. Like, there is so many times when listening to a podcast that I'll always just like skip, skip and just skip through uh-huh. it. Yeah. I love your, I love it so much. Because, <laughs> because it's super short. It is I super recorded short. it using the microphone I grabbed out of the rock band game. <laughs> And by randomly noodling on things in um, GarageBand, I'm trying to sound spooky. I love it. I sound so spooky. So spooky. Because the late fee is your your life. life. (laughs) I did cut out the part that said, shh, it's time for a dead time story. Because that just annoyed me. It was too punny. But didn't didn't you leave in the shh? 
I did leave the shoe. Well, it's a library. I know. Oh, it's God, the night it. library. I love it so much. Anyway. Um, let's see. So, oh, but what I was going to say is I disagree with you because you were talking about Hurricane Bianca. I did not like care for that show. And I love Bianca I Del Rio, but it did. was. did. That's okay. I liked it. And uh, she actually had the, first, the second one come out, um, Hurricane Bianca from Russia with Hate. And it is not as good as the first one, which means you will like it even less. But it has a whole bunch of Katya in it. Um, oh, we're my talking, God, I love Katya. I have, I have such a crush on Katya. Have you watched the... Um, Katya and Trixie show? Yes. I have watched... Um, so this is, this is all the fault of RuPaul's Drag Race, which I have been watching a lot of lately. Because, because I told her to watch Dragula, and it just kind of... It's too dark. It, and it's not even that, okay. it, that it's dark-themed. It's just too lo-fi, and, like, I can't see. Season two is better. Like, okay. Season one is very homemade Filmed, and filled with my VHS, you know, yeah. camera. Yeah. 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 Um, and that just got to me. But I like season two, um, but it's a completely different school of drag from Drag Race. Drag oh, it Race, they're trying is. to look like women. Yeah. Dragula, sometimes maybe. <laughs> kind of women. Sometimes something sometimes, that ate one. Sometimes yeah. sea monsters. First, they had a yeah. sea monster challenge. All the tentacles. Sometimes they have, they had a Cenobite challenge. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. I did Very it. different from Drag Race. So, I've been, because um, um, politics is just depressing. And there's a lot of things that are depressing lately. There's a lot so. of very unpleasant things happening in the world. Especially in the United States part of the world. Yeah. And uh, we are searching, searching for some escapism, so yes. we thought we'd talk about depressing documentaries. <laughs> oh, but uh, really quickly, I did watch one. Um, uh, I, oh, I, I watched season one of Legion, which oh. is the um, the Marvel. Um, I hear that it is crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And there is this sense as I'm watching it, which mm -hmm. I can't vouch for anyone else feeling this way, but just that it was made like to hit all of the musical cues that I like and to reference things and to okay. have, have actors and actresses I adore. And like, I'll probably watch it eventually when I get time to watch stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, lately but because the music yeah. I mean, from, I mean, and, it, and it's all over the board. Cause I mean, it goes from the who, to Jane's Addiction, mm -hmm. to just It's all everything. music you like, and it's not all from the same, it's not all from the same palette. Exactly. And it's also, like, really interesting covers of music that I really like. So I um, just really adored it. And speaking of horror movies, I think Hereditary opens tomorrow. Oh, I want to see it so bad. I'm I know gonna, it's probably going to be really upsetting, but... I'm going to try and sneak up to, sneak out and see it during the day. I'm going to go see How to Talk to Girls at Parties in the evening. What is that? Uh, it's based on a Neil Gaiman story. Okay. It's about this guy who goes to a party and he's kind of an uncomfortable... Well, the story, not the... The movie's different. But the story's about a guy who's kind of a jerk. And he gets talked into going to this party. And all the girls there are really weird. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they're all aliens and it's an alien invasion force. So it's not just that he doesn't know how to talk to girls. It's that the girls are all aliens. And... Uh, <laughs> It features Nicole Kidman as a punk rock goddess named Bodacia who has come to um, who has come to destroy the earth. So I'm in. I know. <laughs> I saw some stills from it. It looks good. It's directed by John Cameron Mitchell from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. There you go. And Short Bus. And it looks like a good time. So Julie and I are probably gonna go see that tomorrow. 
evening. During the day, I'm going to see if I can sneak out for like a showing of Hereditary at 2. We'll see. That involves leaving my house. Um, so there's stuff I'm very much looking forward to seeing that I haven't seen yet. There's even some documentaries I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, we found I found this one called The Man Who Saw Too Much. And it's about the photographer, I think in the 50s or 60s, who first started taking Mexican crime scene photos huh. that are now super, yeah, or Mexican just, you know, horrible graphic accident photos. Yeah. And I'm looking crazy. forward to seeing that because... I, okay, so I'm, I, I'm not looking this up very well. Um, and it's just, it's not meant to be. Um, okay. The other horror movie that I watched that isn't in, well, nothing's in our... Uh, the vein of the podcast because right. we're doing documentaries. But I watched um, The Road, which is... Um... The one about the post-apocalyptic dad? No. Okay. Uh, no, it's a horror movie, and I thought it was... I thought it was in the Philippines? I thought it's a... Oh, okay. And it, it basically, there's a stretch of road, and it's a very... Um... It, it tells three stories at three different times. Okay. And then it wraps around from the beginning to the end to realize what the connecting... Okay, so um, it okay, and um, it's just a real slow burn. It's really um, and the director directed something else, and I'm just I'm. It's one of those movies that doesn't show up in IMDb when you're searching for it until you search for it in a really really specific way. Yeah. Uh, because the title of the movie is done with like a backwards R, in the and and for some reason even if you type in the road and put in like 2011, which is when it came out, uh -huh. like if you Google it you'll get the link to the IMDb if you go in, like, kind of backwards. Yeah. But you can't search for it through the search. And so I know they they did something else that people would know, and I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I really enjoyed it. I okay. um, posted onto the Shockwaves fan club page because I was like, I am having a hard time finding new horror this year yeah. that um, isn't, like, the big blockbuster stuff coming out. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'm like, oh, my God, please give me recommendations, mm -hmm. like, of, of anything you've seen. And the, as soon as you start saying recommendations for lesser-known horror, people start popping out things from 5, 11 years ago, and you're like, that's nice. I'm looking for new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> because I've, I've watched all the things. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to hear I what's I just had a on. customer come in with the same problem. She and I had a long talk about yeah. horror movies. And, yeah, there's not – it's not a great year for – quantities of horror yeah i mean blumhouse are doing what they can but it's hit or miss with them it's hit or too. miss with them when they hit it's great when they miss it's just wow it's pretty bad <laughs> when they miss but at the same time i'm really glad that they're still devoted to doing horror movies yep me too because every once in a while i see something and i'm like oh my god that was good where'd that yeah, come from exactly so what do you tend to veer towards when watching documentaries because i've i've realized that i have I have three major character or three three major categories that I watch. Um, what are they? For me, um, it's a lot of stuff to do with Hollywood, and and the history of Hollywood, um, and then a lot of. Well, I mean, this could cover the widest of genres, but um, history and like and and personality kind of okay. ones, and then. Um, 
no, actually, okay, how did I break this down? I broke it down into Hollywood, um, and then there's some, you know, stuff that's on horror movies, and so celebrity, and, oh, true crime. Yeah, I watched a lot of true crime, crime too. but I watched so much of it that I kind of zoom out on which documentary it is. Yeah. Yeah. However, last night, Lifetime movie showed a Lifetime aired a Lifetime movie about the Manson girls. Oh, so I'm I've got that on the TiVo at home because see, in one of Lifetime, um, man, there was so growing up, I didn't have cable, and right. the first year I moved out of the house, I moved into this little cabin in the next larger city over, and I got free cable, and I had insomnia. Mm-hmm. And I caught all of these strange, I think it's kind of what started my love for documentaries because they're the movies that AMC would throw on at two o'clock in the morning. And um, that was how I saw, you know, the, the couple of movies that got me really, really interested in documentaries. I saw Grey Gardens for the first time. And it just, it just blew my mind. Um, they are such characters. Yes. And they were so, and one of the things that I've realized that I also really like is I, I like women who go off the beaten path Mm -hmm. and I like women who go off the beaten path and are very willing to be very unliked. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the documentaries that talk about women who are like, oh my God, they were fucking bitches. And a lot of the time, a woman who you're calling a fucking bitch is just someone who is just so done with your bullshit. There is a Hollywood documentary I think you would like. And it's weird because it's it's not about a woman that was a bitch. <laughs> it's called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Amazing Sophie Tucker. That sounds really familiar. And it's just about the life of Sophie Tucker. And oh my God, that woman was a hard worker. She started out in vaudeville. And as she be, every time she went to a town and she met a person, she would write down their name and address in a notebook. And every time she played that town again, they would get a personal postcard from her. She was like on top of her advertising and Aww, who she was. And yeah, and she's just this amazing woman. She was a huge star. Um, she was a big fat blonde lady who sang songs about being a big fat blonde lady. And she was hilarious and funny. And most people only know her name because Bette Midler talks a lot about her in one of her concert specials. Huh. But. I highly recommend it. I think it's called, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Sophie Tucker. Well, I'm definitely going to look that up. It's certainly worth it. It's a fun, it's fun. It's not, not depressing. Yeah. And I do like a lot of not depressing documentaries, but kind of. I kind of veer towards depressing. The documents, documentaries I tend to watch are either super depressing (laughs) <laughs> or just about weird stuff. Like, I love documentaries about cults. Yeah. Do you have a favorite cult documentary? My favorite cult documentary is Holy Hell. That one I told you about? Yeah. Because it starts off with a guy, and he meets a bunch of people, and they're what they're doing, it's back in the 70s, I think, is they're just going around as a group, and they're helping people. They're helping people build their houses. They're helping people put up barns. They're not asking anything in return. They're just this group that likes to help people. And there's nothing cult-like about it. And then they meet this guy. And this guy has some kind, gains, 
has some kind of powers. Yep. Or so they believe. And as the years pass, they slowly but surely become a cult until they're living in a compound. And then the guy finally realizes, oh my God, we're a cult. <laughs> Call your dad. You're in a cult. Yep. And he leaves. <laughs> but he was the cult's filmographer for 20 years. So all of the footage he has of the cult and huh. the things they do, it's amazing. It is so good because it, usually when I watch a documentary about a cult, I'm very much of the school of, dude, you're in a cult. Yeah. Do you not notice this? Yeah. But the way that this one's put together, you can see exactly how you could be in a cult. Yeah. How you, it, how it's a slow descent. Yeah. And I love that. That's why it's probably my favorite cult documentary. Um, unless you can't, well... My second favorite is going to be uh, one that I saw about Jonestown. And it was, I saw it in the theater, but I think it was produced by PBS. Mm -hmm. And they just interviewed survivors about their experiences. And they talked about everything that happened. And that was another one I liked because you can see how people get in cults. Because People's Temple, when they started was one of the first cults where you could have people of any race in your yeah. congregation. Yeah. And they had basketball programs and they had they did a lot of good in the world. Yeah. And then oops. Now you're there in a cult. Yeah. Um so so yeah, those are probably the cult movies I like or the movies about religious cults that I most enjoy. Um one of once kind of staying in the vein that I started with of just really interesting women was a movie that just really emotionally affected me um, called 51 Birch Street. And 50... I've not seen it, but I've heard I of it. I love it and I bought it. Um, so 51 Birch Street, um, you have the son who just recorded things all the time, made movies when he was a kid and he makes mm -hmm. this documentary. And so he's got a lot of footage of his family. His family's... They're argumentative. They have a lot of problems. But they got married back in, I think, the late 50s, early right. 60s. And that means you're married forever. Yep. They were married for, I think, 62 years. And kind of what um, is the instigator to get him to do a documentary on his family, and especially on his mother is within three months of his mom's passing, his father marries his old secretary. Like, I mean, literally within three months of, of his mom dying. Wow. I may have seen this. It's, I loved it so much. Um, basically, when he's going through the house, his mom was a avid journaler. Mm -hmm. And so she documents everything with her life. And there are so many people, because she was kind of a hard ass, and she was at times really hard on her husband and as you're reading through her journals you realize how utterly trapped she was hmm. and even when she meets i think the the secretary's name was kitty if i'm not mistaken or went by, <laughs> or went by kitty of course yeah he's she was like this is the kind of woman that my husband should have married she doesn't ask much of him and she's just mm -hmm. happy to be around him and he never should have ended up with someone as demanding as I am and wants so much more. Uh, they, she um, starts, she, um, 
does some psychoanalysis um, in the mid 60s they start looking into swingers groups um, but it just spends her life you know she got married and she feels trapped mm-hmm. and she feels bound by all of the restrictions of the time period oh, yeah. on being a mom and perhaps she didn't want to be a mom yeah and but you that's what you did and that's what you did and and they hate people who are the square pegs that, that you know, mm-hmm. which is an analogy I hate because when they make things, they deliberately drive square pegs into round holes because they, <laughs> because it works because yes! they'll stay in there more and they use it as this thing as it's this thing that doesn't work and it just makes me angry. <laughs> Um, and another one that I really loved kind of in that same, well, actually, um, the movie Witness, the, uh, the documentary Witness, that's about Kitty Genovese. Um, oh, I have not watched that. It was great. I, it's, there's two movies that I bought, um, when their, um, distri- their directors were trying to find distribution. One was Witness, which is the Kitty Genovese that was done mm-hmm. by her younger brother, um, Kitty Genovese is the the young woman in um, a New York neighborhood who was stabbed to death on her front doorstep while she was screaming and raped. And like fifty three people saw this happening. Yes, and none of them reported it. And basically, it it started it started a change, and that descriptor of what happened isn't entirely accurate. No, a but lot of people did heard not. it happening. They yelled. It went silent. But what happened was, it went silent because she got away and crawled into a doorway. But at this point, she'd already been stabbed. Mm-hmm. But when he, the the guy waited, and when he didn't hear anyone coming, yeah, then he started again. Then he went he back and her. found her yeah. again, and and attacked her again and killed her. Right, and when they were in the doorway. The witnesses could not see what was going exactly. on. Exactly. So it wasn't like they were gawking out the window watching this woman die. It's just that they didn't know. Yeah. And people did call in. There um, is a Harlan Ellison story about it called yeah. The Whimper of Whipped Dogs, which I have read several times. That's pretty messed yeah. up because Harlan, yeah, you know. Because that's what he does. Um, the other one was of Dolls and Murder. Um, oh, I love that. I have the book. Yeah, as do I. And um, when they were still trying to find distribution, you were just ordering from their website. I've got, you know, mm-hmm. the DVD disc in that, those little cardboard oh, yeah. cases that you get sometimes. So, of Dolls and Murder is about a woman who made dollhouses. But she made them, and they are still used to train FBI agents. Yeah. Because each dollhouse has a little miniature crime scene in it. And it's incredibly accurate. And they're incredibly accurate. And I have a book with the pictures and you have to solve them yourself. The thing is, is in the FBI, there is one person who knows. Yeah. So if you have the book, you can play around with solving it and maybe you'll get it right. But you'll never know because the FBI is not going to tell you. But she went to the extremes of using like straight pins as knitting needles to make little tiny sweaters. But I, I just love because in Kitty Genovese was this amazing woman who did all of these things like back in the early sixties that women uh-huh. just didn't typically do. She was a bartender. She she ran the bar. And, yeah. And and with of dolls and murder, you know, she was incredibly interested in forensics and she was in a position to be able to devote her life to those things because she came from an affluent family. And 
yeah wasn't yeah. she yeah. Yeah, yeah um and was able to explore you know yeah. this role that wouldn't have been available to most women at that time there's a movie called tabloid oh which i've also yeah yeah i like tabloid that's another film about a difficult woman because she's kind of a nutcase she kind of is <laughs> and uh basically several years ago it was in the news that this woman was that there was a woman who was paying a ton of money to have her dog cloned someone recognized her name and found out that she was a woman who had been i'm not sure if she was arrested but she had been accused of kidnapping a mormon missionary and holding him victim and having sex with him for days before he could escape and this documentary is by errol morris who does who documentaries i just love and he basically just tells her story and she was a she was like a model for men's magazines she may or may not have been a prostitute she was definitely an escort but we don't know what that means she was a sex worker of some some flavor of some flavor and it's just an amazing story because there's just all these crazy things that just keep coming up in it yep and yeah i really like that i really like it a lot um errol morris also did uh, he does a lot of stuff. He did Fast Cheap and Out of Control. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great documentary director, but that's one of his quirkier documentaries, and that's why I like it. It's a weird one. Yeah. Um, kind of another one in the same vein is um, Dreams of a Life, and it's the uh, story of Joyce Vincent, the woman who disappeared and then was found, uh, passed away in her apartment. And though she had friends, um, nobody found her for three years um oh, and yeah. i remember it I remember um, being talked about, about it online yeah. and this is a, a guy who um you know did a documentary speaking to most of her friends and she was you know i mean when she was found three years after the fact mm-hmm. she had presents that she was wrapping because she had been having problems yeah. with her family but had planned on going and spending christmas with them and the fact that nobody went to her apartment yeah for three years and it's just it's how does this happen you know right how do people estrange themselves in that way Mm -hmm. and and like how is this possible and you know and it's yeah it happens though it does it happens all the time it happens pretty regularly it's it's yeah i i take comfort that that could not happen to either of us because <laughs> there are people who would come looking. <laughs> Have you seen Capturing the Freedmans? Capturing the Freedmans was a really difficult watch I for know. me, having come from um, an abusive, an abusive background. family. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's a fascinating it's a documentary. documentary. Yeah, that's and that's what I kind of run into sometimes is sometimes it, the documentaries that are about abuse and about family connections and about mm-hmm. people who don't fit in are a safe way to, i like a lot of documentaries that. about people that don't fit in most of the thing a lot of the things on my list are documentaries about people who do not fit in yeah um there's a guy named alan abel have mm-hmm. you ever heard of him i have not he is a media prankster he has been since the 50s yeah um and he basically <laughs> It's a lot easier now because the whole internet does this, but like he would make up artifi- make up ridiculous stories and try to get them on the news. Like he had back in the 50s, he had a group that was 
against indecency in animals. So they were trying to get horses to wear pants. <laughs> and he was constantly doing that. And he's like, if you just send out a press release, people will buy your story. And so, like, every few years you'd hear about Alan Abel playing another prank. Um, in California, when the gypsy moths were eating the trees, mm -hmm. he came out and said that he was had a he was a gypsy man and that his family were deeply insulted and they wanted the moths renamed. Oh. And, uh, yeah, he did Didn't a lot of do goofy something stuff like, like that. Did he do something like in the last 10 years or is he still alive? He is still alive. Um, one of the things he did was, you know how they have fancy dog hotels in New York? Yes. He claimed that you could pay extra and they'd send a dog prostitute to your dog's room, a dog sex worker. <laughs> so you could take your dog to the dog motel and that they had a dog brothel where the lady dogs would be that your dog could go to. <laughs> and people thought it was real and were furious and up in arms and writing letters to the newspapers. It was a prank. He's just a... He's just... I think he's still alive. Um, when I saw the movie, he was there introducing it, and that was great, because I admit he's been one of my heroes since yeah. childhood, because it's... There, he doesn't do mean-spirited pranks. Yeah. He just does, like, weird things, like... One time he went to the um, he went to the grocery store and bought a frozen chicken, and then paid to have it have a really fancy funeral at the pet cemetery. Just weird stuff. Yeah. And I like weirdos. And, and Alan Abel is <laughs> one of the good ones. I think that's just a sentence. Yes, you just you like weirdos. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. A lot of my documentaries are about weirdos. Um, there's. Have you seen Marwin Call? I have not. It's about a man who gets a traumatic brain injury. And the way that he copes with that is by buying Barbies and making up stories for them. Mm -hmm. and, and he, he has these amazing sets. Yeah, he has an entire city, a World War II city. That's called? In his backyard Marwin called, Ma called Marwin Call. Marwin Call. Um, he is super, super... Yeah, he's super... He pays a lot of attention to details. Yeah. All of the dolls have names and characters and backstories. And this is how he copes with what happened to him, which was that he was beaten until he had brain damage because he was gay. Yeah. And that part of the movie is really dark, but the movie is really kind of amazing. Yeah. And then there's another movie called Magical Universe, which is about a doc an artist named Al Kaby. And Al Kaby... This there was a guy who just was kept to himself and was real quiet. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm an artist. And he invites a reporter to his house. And they go in the house and seriously, floor to ceiling, Barbies. Huh. Um, posed in different positions, photos of Barbies. He likes to just take photos of the Barbies doing different things. Hmm. And at one point, the guy's like, and then we went down a hallway, and I was kind of weirded out because there's this creepy old man with a house full of dolls. And he opens the door in the hallway, which he, the guy's like, I thought it went to a closet. But no, it went to the barn, which he had brought in and attached to his house so that he could put more art in it. Yes. <laughs> and he gets an art show in his hometown. He gets written up, and his photos are like in the galleries and stuff. And it's just a weird little documentary about this weird outsider artist who just accidentally, this guy found his art. And yeah. I love that. 
Um, and a lot of the documentaries on my list are things like that. Um, in in that same vein of, of odd little ducks loving something they love uh-huh. is, have you ever watched Cinemania? Yeah, that's oh, about those guys that go to all the movies all they the time. Do. Well, it's, it's a couple of guys and yeah. a woman. And they are just so, they're kind of crazy. They are. There's one of the guys that I'm just like, dude, you need to leave the movie theater for a minute. Step yes, away. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they, they all seem nice. They're they just, they're nice. just obsessed The woman is movies. a little abrasive and will get in fights with people and will occasionally, if she gets uncomfortable, start stripping down in theater. Yes. Um, and, but... The lengths in which they go, like, the fact, um, the woman especially, like, she has memorabilia from nearly everything that she's seen, Mm -hmm. and she has that, that hoarder home where she's got little tiny hallways, Mm -hmm. and she has this sense of where a lot of the things are. Um, the one who will watch like the shittiest VHS because he just loves the movie and he'll, he'll watch it on his little terrible screen. Uh-huh. And the, the one guy who won't watch anything in his home, he doesn't believe in owning movies guess, because you can only yeah. see them in the theater. And the one who gets really angry if it's the wrong print and if it doesn't oh, run this God, right length of time. That guy is some of my customers. <laughs> that guy makes me crazy. It, I, I, remember... I liked him in the documentary, but I do not you like know. him in real life. Because... <laughs> They're nice from afar. It's just... I hear that this print of the Devils is one minute and 15 seconds longer. Which print is that of all the ones I've brought up? And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but it's just the lengths they go of, mm-hmm. of what memberships they can afford and... And how do they decide when a bunch of the festivals are ongoing, when there's all these movies they mm-hmm. want to see, but they're yeah. playing at the same time? Yeah, it, it's it's a good documentary. It's kind of sweet. And I love people that love film. Yeah. I am a person who loves film. I seem to have devoted much of my life to it. <laughs> um, so I like it. But I also have problems with that documentary because I have to interact with some people who are maybe a little too into things. Yes, yes. Because because they get really upset when things don't fit in their worldview. Exactly. And yeah. Uh, Let's see what else. You know, um, another uh, series that I was introduced to, like probably in my early twenties, when I really first started really falling in love with documentaries, is the Seven Up series. Um, I discovered it really young and and i've you know i wait because you've kind of grown up with them yeah and um actually um a friend of mine faye who i worked with at um i worked for this domain registrar um she would come over from england and she she worked over there Mm -hmm. she actually went to school and is in the background oh that's kind of cool shots um and went to school with uh some of the boys so she's the same age um as they are and it's it's interesting seeing how it's evolved and how they went from being you know hopeful and young and now you know I mean the latest one that I think came out was fifty six mm-hmm. and so it'll be the oh, next yeah. one is coming out you know probably oh, in yeah, a I'm year sure or that two. Some of them have passed away. Some of them have passed. A lot of them just don't want to participate anymore. Because they're like they've been following my my whole life. Give my me a whole break. life. I'm tired of living up to 
And yeah. But, you know, watching as, you know, I thought this is what my life was going to be. And it's just such a journey through yeah. aging and what your expectations are, what your hopes are for what your life will be. And families and relationships mm-hmm. and, and getting to follow through life with these people I found really, really interesting. Now, there's one, have you seen, I think it's called Strange Love, but it might be called Mad Love, or it might be called Crazy Love. Crazy Love. That crazy love. That documentary that... upset me so much. It's, it's those people are, are both crazy. They are. So, basically, it is a man who's so, kind of, they, didn't she go on a couple of dates with him? She went on a couple of dates with this guy, and then she found another guy she liked more, and she broke up with him. Then... He, after she had broken up with him, became an obsessive stalker and threw acid in her face. And she was gorgeous. And it just destroyed her face, blinded her. Destroyed her her face and blinded her. And then he went to jail. She has a little bit of sight in like one eye. And then he went to jail. And while he was in jail, he kept writing her love letters every day. And finally, when she got out of jail, she married him. When he got out of jail, she married married him. him. And it's it's kind of sweet in a way that she's like, look, I'm ugly now. No one else wants me. And, and that's really me. depressing. And I know that he loves me and his love has never wavered. And then later on she admits, plus, I kind of want to punish him. And this is how I do it, by making him be my caretaker for the rest of his life. And that's that's the part that got to me. I was like, oh, that's... Yeah. Yeah. It's a complicated relationship those two have. And it's also a very fascinating documentary. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump from, um, I know I'm going to return to kind of the more depressing documentaries, but I love movies. Since we've kind of talked about Cinemania, I love movies. I love things that address Hollywood, and I love things that address classic Hollywood and and, um, types of things that have kind of fallen by the wayside or were um, lesser known for a long time. Um talk about the cellular the cellular closet was probably the first documentary it's on that my I saw. list yeah, yeah that's one of my favorite film documentaries yeah and because and so i saw good. it out because um i originally had the book um mm-hmm. that i ran across in this one bookstore. Right. um because i read that and it was the same bookstore that had the cellular closet and then they also had the pink triangle which is what um the documentary um paragraph 175 oh is based on um, which I have not I, seen. I have seen it and I own it. So if you ever wanted to, it's it's really, I will touch upon that in a little bit because um, I just kind of want to go through. I have a whole bunch of um, movies that uh, talk about the beginnings of Hollywood. So you have the celluloid okay. closet. Right. I don't is, have any movies about Hollywood on Oh, here. I have a ton. Because <laughs> they're not my you thing. Yeah. Um, the celluloid closet is wonderful because it discusses how gay characters evolved in early Hollywood right. and how and in how... order to find representation mm-hmm. you had to look and what kind of characters you looked for right. and even what actors you right. know because act- you yeah. if you were gay you were and I think I, this has changed a lot but even during my lifetime if you were gay and there was a hint of gayness in a movie you clung to that yep because you wanted to see something because of yourself. it remind because it was something yep it was some sort of representation. Right. Um, 
uh, there's a movie that there's a couple documentaries that are touching on different experiences within Hollywood. There's a movie called Real Engine, which is R E E L uh-huh. Engine, that's discussing Native Americans. Yeah, that one's really good. Film. Is that the one where I learned that the reason that Native Americans in movies wear headbands is to keep their wigs on because it's always old white guys? It might be. I think it was that <laughs> movie, but it might have been something I read. And it also talks about a lot of the time where they would have them and cast them. They would just be talking amongst themselves. Yeah, in their own language. In their own and languages. Sa- and and saying talking, probably really horrible things. And they things. were talking shit about the white people. Yes, who they were. Deserved it. Yeah, I think one of the reasons I had started out was um, Adam that, Beach is like in it. And, and I, he's an yeah. actor I really like. And having grown up on the reservation, mm-hmm. it's something seeing that kind yeah. of representation yeah. is really important to me. Um, a uh, documentary that uh, discusses the Latinx uh, and experience is the bronze screen and it talks about um, Mexican actors and Hmm. a lot of the Spanish language um, film that was done on the same Hollywood sets that were filming uh, that's right. how you end up with things like the Spanish language. Spanish language, Dracula. Dracula. And, I, and I don't it. know. Okay, so I am going to say I just said Latinx, which is kind of the right. gender neutral Latina, Latino. Um, and I don't know. It is not meant by me to be not covering or or I just don't know it well enough. But it is it is discussing the like Spanish language, Mexican language. Yeah. Um, and the fact that there was a massive Hollywood filmmaking that was happening at the exact same time uh-huh. as Golden Hollywood. It just was filming at night. Yep. And the same sets. And same, same everything. Sets, yeah. And it was amazing. Well, even if you watch, like, in German films, like The Blue Angel, Marlene, which is, I don't know if it's Marlene, it's for Dietrich's first film. There's two versions of it. The one they filmed in German and the one they filmed in English. I had no idea about that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> exact same film. It's just... They didn't have subtitle it. They just made two of them with the same cast speaking different languages. That is fantastic. Yeah. And of course they would. Um, one that discusses the Asian experience is called the slanted screen. Um, and one of the things that I really love that it discusses is is the categories that they force Asians to be in. You uh-huh. know, you have either... You can be a detective. Yes. Or, you know, you if you're a woman, you're, you're, you're a dragon lady. You're a dragon lady or you're an innocent. Yes. Um, and Asian men are just not allowed to have any sexuality whatsoever. Oh, no. No, they are... They're basically Kendalls. They run the opium dens. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and even, like, even, what's his name? Charlie Chan's number one son was supposed to be the hot guy in the family, but, oh, was he not allowed to be sexy? No. There yeah. could be no hint of this. Yep. Yeah. Um, other things is uh, a really great doc. Uh, there's a lot of sex work and um, pornography um, uh, documentaries that I find really, really interesting because they're so ostracized. Um, yeah. Inside Deep Throat is a fan fantastic documentary that i have i'm sure i've seen that yeah it was really really good and it talks about you know the beginnings of the porn industry and Uh um the changes that it's gone through through the years and there's um, one that i love that's about a gay porn actor and well an actor in gay porn mm -hmm. so he was and he was the first recognizable star name yeah as a gay porn star but he was totally bisexual. He ended up now he's an orchestra conductor. Yeah, there was um that's 
huh. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, the movie takes some turns that I did not see coming. Yeah. And, like, oh, God, what is that guy's name? I can even name some of the gay movies. Some of the porn films he was in, I can't think of his name. Yeah, another, It'll come to me. Another really interesting one is um, a documentary that's done called After Porn Ends. And talking I've about, seen that one. Yeah, yeah there's like two or three of those how difficult it now. is to be yeah. in the porn industry, and then what do you, what do you do when right. you don't yeah. want to be in you it anymore? You can't have that on your resume. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, the movie that talks about the rating system and what a travesty oh, yeah, yeah. is, film is not, not rated. rated is fantastic because it Very, is, it is sitting so outside nebulous. of a car trying to find out who rates the films. Yeah. And, got... and they don't let you know. It's no? a bunch of, you know, old white women basically, um, <laughs> is what they discover. And, but there's no rhyme or reason to it either. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, 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 do. I knew it was you rediscovering John Cazale. Um, is a documentary um, entirely about John Cazale as the fact that he only filmed five movies. And every one of them was amazing. And every single one of them was yeah. amazing. And he was just a nuanced, delightful actor that you'd have never looked at his face and thought, you're going to be a movie yeah, star. Yeah, he was Meryl Streep's husband. husband. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, until he, he died from cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He's just one of those lesser-known actors that it's wonderful to hear about his story and the impact that he had on uh-huh. everybody he knew. Um, another explore. I'm sorry, I'm kind of like... <laughs> I have a lot okay. of... Um, I love My Voyage to Italy, uh, which um, Martin Scorsese, it, when he was really young in New York, um, there was this public access... Mm-hmm. TV show or TV station that would show all of the old Italian films. Oh, it's <laughs> I kind of I laugh when you hear like the clinky clink if we have like absinthe or if we're drinking tea. That was just my noisy ring hitting my teacup. But that's what I, that was. Love... Don't be alarmed. <laughs> but I love it. I love when the when the ice crinkles in the glasses <laughs> we're talking. Um and it is big and I love I love the things that those films brought to cinema, but it's one of the situations where a lot of those films are really fucking depressing. Uh, I, I don't, yeah. And I don't really want to watch all of them, There's but also, hearing someone who did love them and it informed his they, idea of Scorsese's movies. done some amazing documentaries. There's one called A Journey Through Cinema with Martin Scorsese that's just like six, it's like a six or seven disc set, and he starts off talking about westerns that he likes, and and it's really good, but it's a it's a slog. You got to get through it one disc at a time. I just he's another one. He's he's in the vein of the Cinemania, where he loves everything about movies. He does, and and he's just so versed in and oh yeah everything about it. And he's he's so nevish. I find him adorable. Um, I've met Thelma Schoonmacher several times. She edits all of his films oh. and is basically. They sit together. They're like a team. Yeah. And she's like, you know, every time he, when he writes, he writes every scene to music. Oh. Like he'll listen to a song and he'll be like a cla- or a piece of classical music and he'll like compose the scene to that music. Yeah. And that that's a huge thing for him is he has a huge music collection and that he loves that <laughs> so much and that, that they use that a lot when editing to find the rhythm of the films. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. She's an amazing lady. Aww. 
um, Life Itself, um, Roger Ebert's documentary. I have not been able to watch that yet. I know it's going to break my heart. It is, but what I loved so much about it is that he's another person who so passionately, passionately loved cinema, mm-hmm. and he was a problematic guy. And it really discusses the ways in which he was fantastic and the ways that he was a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it covers it really well. And, yeah. then, and then it breaks your heart, you know, towards the end of his yeah. life of, you know, suffering from through the jaw cancer and mm-hmm. losing basically the lower half of his face. And yeah. a little bit of his love story with he and his wife. Yeah, his wife's amazing. And um, it... It reminded me to find joy in the things yeah. that I love because that's really the sense that you get is with everything that had happened in his life, he really remembered every single piece of joyfulness that was in his life. And that made yeah. me feel better. Yeah. Um, a movie that I really like that made me really happy is one that's a newer documentary. I think it came out. It was nominated for an Oscar last year. Mm-hmm. It's called Faces Places. And it's by... So Agnes Varda is a very important director who was one of the, fir- the few women directors during the French New Wave movement. Um, she was friends with everyone she's just had this amazing life and she's in her 80s and she's about four foot seven (laughs) and is just wonderful and in this she meets a guy and this is what the guy does he has a truck with a photo booth on it and he drives around the country and he takes people's picture and he prints them out like 20 feet tall and then he puts them on the sides of buildings as art and Agnes Varda hooks up with him And they just drive around France, taking pictures of people, putting them on their houses, and they interview the people and talk about their stories. And it is charming, and it's heartwarming, and it's sweet. And there's parts of it that made me really sad, because, yeah. And it's super good. And it's short. It's a little short documentary, and I was so excited when I saw that she got nominated for the Oscar for it. I was like, I love her. I'm trying to look something up while you were talking. Yeah, so I really like that. Um, Other weird artist documentaries, there's one called In the Realms of the Unreal about Henry Darger. Henry Darger was this weird old dude. He had an apartment... He didn't have any friends. Sometimes the people would hear him in the apartment getting in big arguments with himself because he was kind of schizo. And he worked as a janitor at a children's home for like 50 years. So his day was he would go to work. He would come home. He'd be in his house. He'd go to work the next day. And when he died, his neighbors went in to clean out his room. And what they found was art. And Oh my God, it's amazing. It's like collage art, drawings. He had a manuscript that he wrote that was like 72,000 pages of a book about the story about these little girls. And he never shared it with anyone? No, nobody knew until after he was dead. And I went to, they had a big exhibit of his art at Seattle Art Museum. And some of it were just like scrolls of paper. 
that he would just unroll and do a little bit at a time. And they were like 60 feet long by the time he was done. And um, he, the speculation is that he, he did a lot of drawings of little girls, mm -hmm. but they often had penises and they think maybe he never saw a girl naked. So he just thought we're all built the same. It's yeah. just summer girls and summer boys. Yeah. That's funny. And it's just an amazing documentary about just this little guy. And it has a lot of his art in it that they animate and do stuff with. Wow. It's a really strange, strange documentary. Did you ever watch the documentary Finding Vivian Meyer? Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. And the fact that she just took pictures all of her life and they were amazing. Uh-huh. And nobody knew until and they bought that bought, an, bought that box at an auction. And and then all of a sudden they're finding, and she never even developed half of them. No. And um, and they're like, oh my god, these are amazing. And then they talk to like the people that she met. She's well, she was kind of a bitch, but well, you know. And the thing is, she kind of had a, a slow descent into crazy town. Right. I was gonna try and find a better way to put it, but you know, no, and, sometimes and it was, it's crazy town. Yeah, and she um, nannied, and there was a couple of the kids that she had nannied who stayed close to her and basically mm -hmm. kept her fed. Yeah. up until the end of her life. Um, but it it was just. She had a very specific want from her life, and she wanted no ties upon her. So she nannied yeah. when she wanted to and when she needed to, right. and she would take those kids everywhere and mm -hmm. take you know and take go pictures to slums of everything. Yeah. and it, the best and the worst places of town. Mm -hmm. And she had no gall about going anywhere no. or, or in dragging trailing yeah. children. And she just did it, and I just found that amazing. Yeah, especially in that era. Uh, let's see. I really like Man on Wire. Because it's See, a documentary and a heist movie at the same time. It is. And I like the I, heist movie aspects. I I just hated him so much. It ruined my like of the movie because... Oh, that's too bad. I wanted to punch him in his face so much. <laughs> he was just one of those guys that just... I really wanted to punch him in his face. Oh, have you ever heard of the movie called Resurrect Dead? The story of the Toynbee Tiles? No. That's another movie about a weird artist. So there's this dude, and he, lives, <laughs> and he notices that there are these tiles, and they're made out of um, linoleum that is cut and glued, and they are just glued into the pavement in his, in his town. And they all have really crazy messages on them, but they all have the word Toynbee in them. Huh. Like they're signed Toynbee or something, T-O-Y-N-B-E-E. -E. And that is... And so this guy is like, where are these tiles coming from? And so he starts looking on the internet and he's like, have you seen these in your town? And they start finding out they're all over the place. Huh. And he's trying to figure out where they're coming from or who is doing them. So it's like a crime investigation. It's like a true crime movie, except there's not really a crime. And then they find one like in Chile. And they're like, who is this guy? What are these messages? Are they post-apocalyptic? And it's about his search to find the guy that does the tiles. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you how it ends because it's kind of a spoiler. Yeah. But it's really good because they do some good solid detective work as well as some good solid WTFing. Because, like, what are these tiles? And they're, like, making these things like, well, maybe... He has a car with a hole cut in the bottom, and he can just park somewhere and put the tiles down through the floor of the car, and no one will ever know. 
because no one's ever seen anybody put the tiles down. They're just there. And it's <laughs> it's a really good, really interesting documentary that's not depressing. And I like documentaries. Sometimes you need that. I like documentaries that make me super interested in things I am not would not normally know about or I'm not normally interested in. Um, my favorite crime documentary is Cocaine Cowboys. I've had friends that have just loved it, and I've just never watched it. Sometimes, sometimes it gets I pretty brutal toward the end. It's the brutality is hard for me, and also um, drug. Like though I like crime documentaries, mm-hmm. things that involve drugs can be really hard for me to watch sometimes too because of right. my raising. Right. No, this is just it's amazing. It's just it's like. A lot of the documentary is how the landscape of Miami was changed because of yeah. drug dealers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, we have so much money. We don't know what to do with it. Everybody invests in real estate. Everybody buys a new car with cash. And it's and they talked to a guy that got out of jail, and he was talking about how they used to smuggle the drugs. And he's like, oh, yeah, this looks like a normal barn, but it's really an airplane hangar. <laughs> and... I, that part of it's fascinating, but then, like, later on, when the big cartels start moving in, and there's a lot of violence and people getting murdered, it gets really dark, and they yeah. talk to a hitman huh. who had done a lot of the drug cartel murders, and it's pretty messed up, but it's still a documentary that when you start, that, for me... When I started watching it, it, we were playing it at work, and it was one of the few things I was like, when I go home tonight, that is coming with me, and I'm watching it before I go to bed. Yeah. Because it's just got some crazy stuff in it. But yeah, if you have a drug or violence problem, it's super druggy and super super violently. In the vein of of crime, um, and this is something that isn't terribly, like, underground, it's it just well, came out a couple of years right. ago. OJ Made in America is a fantastic documentary. And the thing is, I am the age uh-huh. that I was a young adult when everything went down with OJ Simpson. Right. And it was the one of the first courtroom dramas or courtroom where they, they doc, well it was one of the first crimes where we were in the courtroom because up to that point, right. they never allowed cameras in and, and right. people were for watching. For good reason. For good reason. And the, I avoided everything that was going on with it because I came from a home of abuse where we contacted the police and they're like, I'm sorry, you're shit out of luck because we're not going to help you. Yeah. Um, the fact of, you know, when all of the 911 calls came through... And when they were releasing those, like uh-huh. I said, this is the business of their family and their children. Like, this is not our business. And it really offended me. Yeah. Um, but like enough time has passed where it's, it interests me in the same way that like Helter Skelter interests me uh-huh. and, and the Charlie yeah. Manson murders. Cause that was one of the first true crime books I ever picked up. Mm. And um, way back when my first video store job um, was uh, the original Hollywood videos where you had to still wear like a tuxedo right. at work because it was fucking stupid. But um, mm-hmm. they had a really good documentary section and one of the documentary films they had was um, Helter Skelter 
and it, which was the documentary that was done by it was a young film student in uh-huh. LA who when it first started like actually went out to Spawn Ranch interviewed uh-huh. all the girls interviewed the girls on the street because no, nobody had gotten prosecuted yet yep. it was just I have seen I don't know if I've seen that documentary but I have seen all that footage so I've seen all the footage and I was seeking it out and it's another one of those situations where the director has a website and I contacted him. I said, uh-huh. I, I really want to get a copy of this because I remember really enjoying it. And he sent me the documentary, but everything, it like came with a personalized note of, you know, dear Jennifer, this is your copy of the documentary uh-huh. that I am giving to you. <laughs> and it was like, In other words, don't copy it. Don't copy don't it. Sell don't it. sell it. You know, but yeah. it was, it, the way the, the note came through was just very like, it's just for us, Jennifer. And I was like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> but he's still out there selling this documentary that he made, you know, yeah. um, in the midst of the trial. And it's, it's really well done. I mean, you get a sense of everybody uh-huh. in it, and it's kind of terrifying. Uh, yeah. And it is a slice of history. Well, when I worked at Video Vertigo, we had a picture of Sharon Tate. And I was never allowed to show a Manson movie unless I got up on a ladder on top of the bookshelf and turned it face the wall. That's <laughs> my boss insisted. Alrighty then. I was like, no, Sharon Sharon has been through this and she can't see this. We have to turn it around. <laughs> Alright, fine. Oh Rob. Good old Rob. <laughs> I still I still hold that that moment of me walking in and him watching Jack Frost pants around his ankles doing air guitar on top of the uh yeah, that's rich that's that's rob which yes, doesn't do that right there <laughs> um oh his band used to come and rehearse in the store during business hours it's not very big it's not very big the store is like the size of a small kitchen <laughs> and their band at that time was them pounding on pans and pipes and yelling all right it was great <laughs> Um, <laughs> Speaking of depressing crime of crime documentaries, have you seen The Staircase? I have. It was on my list. I love The Staircase. So that is a documentary that takes you down six different paths. First thing they say is she fell down the stairs. She hit her head. It was a horrible accident. The next thing you learn is she may not have fallen down the stairs and hit her head. And here's what the blood splatter evidence says. The next thing... And then you find out the one person who did examine the blood spatter has been discredited, and here's somebody else who looked uh-huh. at it. And it just keeps turning you back and forth and back and forth and people like that. And people will get into you, arguments online of, like, is he guilty? Is he not uh-huh. guilty? It's a great documentary because it really raises those questions. like, And there are no answers. And there's no answer. And um, I... On my first watching, I was leaning towards him not being guilty mm-hmm. and that he was being presumed because you always presume it's the partner or the spouse. And right. secondly, he's incredibly unlikable. He is just one of those people that is is smart, um, uh-huh. comes from like affluence, seems Doesn't... comes across as really entitled... Uh-huh. And it's kind of a dick. Yeah. And you hit a point with him where you're like, I dislike you, therefore I completely believe that you killed yeah. your wife. Yeah. And 
That may not be true. And it may not be true. And then you have an earlier spouse of his that died in a slightly similar accident. Uh And it's just... And it just keeps pulling your chain one way and the other way. But it's crazy. Um, In that same vein of, like, what the fucking hell is the jinx? Um, which I discovered I about the same. Yeah, I think we discovered. How I does think we that, watched it at the same time. How does that guy fucking walk with his balls the size of like? I know, dude. You're, now dude, you're living dude, as a dude. Nominee. Your mic's hot. Your mic's hot. Don't talk about how you fucking killed people. No, dude. Do not go <laughs> in the bathroom and say I totally killed them. <laughs> you're like, yeah. That is an amazing and, documentary. And even it, before that, even before that last bit, they're like, did he? Did he not? He has to. If look at him, he's crazy as a loon. He disguised himself as a German woman for a year. He's crazy, and you can tell he loves the attention. He loves anybody talking to him. And and he just thinks he's always going to get away with everything. Yeah. And... See, I really, ah! again, with my likeness, I like weird documentaries that are about weird stuff. There's one <laughs> called Tickled. I have, I have, I am very, very familiar with Tickled. I have, have you not, watched it? I have not. Okay, so. I have not watched Tickled. This, well, it started off, they were claiming to be a woman on the internet back in the days of Usenet. And this person, I remember their posts. They were constantly spamming groups asking if anyone would be willing to be tickled on video. Not sexual, just tickled. Then later on it became a thing where they would pay people to be tickled on video, but it was called but they were trying to pass it off as competitive tickling where one person got tied down and tickled and they got points for how long they could go without laughing. And later on, you find out maybe it's not actually a lady. Big surprise, internet. (laughs) And they eventually tracked down the person. Oh, and then the person, the people that were in the videos that he really thought were hot, he would blackmail them using Mm -hmm. the videos as evidence. And they finally track him down. And it is, it's a great story. You're like, really, really, dude. Yeah. Like, first of all, Congratulations on having a fetish that doesn't necessarily hurt anyone. Stop using it to blackmail people and you're fine. Yeah. Like, if you just like to watch people being tickled, and the people that are doing the tickling and being tickled are both consenting, I have no problem with it. But it turns into this thing where he's spending millions of dollars and it just gets completely out of hand and it's an amazing documentary because of that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's also a series of documentaries that were made for UK TV, and I do not know what they were called, but every one of them was about some weird sexual thing. All right. There was one about the about people who fall in love with buildings and monuments. All right. There's a lady who married a Ferris wheel. Um, she used to work at the carnival, and she fell in love with this Ferris wheel. And when it was retired, she bought it, and she brought it out and lives in on a trailer truck trailer in her field and she is married to it and she loves it and she comes out and talks to it every day and there is sexual activity but they don't go into too much activity too much detail they just say that she has sex with it and i'm like there was an article about a man who'd fallen in love with automobiles and listing there's a documentary about him and that one's super creepy because they catch him trying to have sex with the uh film crew's van while it's parked outside of a hotel Mm. yeah all right then 
Uh, he claims he had sex with the airwolf helicopter once. <laughs> I don't know why you're bragging about that, but he does. Um, I'm going to name some of the... lives in he lives right outside of Seattle. Oh, fantastic. Um, He's local. So, yeah, it was just this whole series of UK documentaries about weird sexual fetishes. There were uh, guys who love, who ha- who buy, like, real girls, real dolls. Yeah. And they have those in their house. And it's not just a sex doll. It's someone they have a relationship yeah. with. They're like, oh, no, this is her personality. She's like this. Yeah. She's just not like that. Again, harmless fetish. I don't yeah. have a problem with it, but it's fascinating to Consenting man stuff. and his consenting doll. A guy who had a balloon fetish and his wife knew about it. But he would just, like on his days off, he'd get a tank of helium and he would just fill a room with balloons because they made him so happy. And it, yeah, it's a, the series didn't have a name. It was just like, I'd catch them every once in a while and they were amazing. Um... (laughs) Where do I go from here? Uh, one thing I'm going to mention is I'm going to go back to paragraph 175. So paragraph 175 was the law in Germany that um, criminalized homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And um, homosexuals in the camps were given the most ba- basically lethal duties of anyone right. in the camps, yeah. more so than anyone and additionally, when they liberated uh, the concentration camps and the, the labor camps, uh, the homosexuals were the only ones who were transported off to other prisons because they had broken the law. And um, Man. Uh, in uh, paragraph 175 speaks with a couple of the men who at that point in time, so this is, you know, around uh, the mid-90s, uh-huh. that were the few that were still alive. And... What broke my heart with it was that um, one of the men, while he was imprisoned, uh, his father passed. And he said as he was speaking to them, as they were interviewing him, that he had never spoken with anyone about his experience. And their experiences are fucking horrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rape, um, just all kinds of... The kind of things you would expect to happen in a prison camp if you were... Anyone, Anyone, but worse because you're gay. So you're even yeah. among the outcasts. Yeah. You're an outcast. And and he cried because he's like, I think I could have talked to my dad about this, but he died while I was while yeah. I was there. And so I never, yeah. I've never spoken with anyone because they're of that generation of you just don't talk about these sort of things. You try mm-hmm. and let them go. They're in your past, and you just and you just deal with it. And it's. It's harrowing and heartbreaking, and it, it is a terrible part of our history. Yeah. Um, there is a documentary called, I think, White Light, Black Rain about Hiroshima. Yes, it is a fan, it is on my list, because it is absolutely... Unwatchable. It is amazing. I watched it once. Once, and never I watched it again. never, never watch, watch it, it again. again. If you have a high tolerance for watching children with their skins burned off screaming in pain because it was all filmed at the time, go right ahead. But I'm warning you, this is a rough documentary Memory. to watch. It, it will leave terrible. a mark on your soul. It, it, it speaks to people um, in the U.S. It speaks to people in Japan yeah. Um, that were parts of the bombs dropping in mm-hmm. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, 
It's it, it's it covers so many. It's an amazing, comprehensive documentary, and it's absolutely but gutting. you can't. But it's one of those things that you cannot unsee. Yep. And you may wish that you had. Yeah. But um, I, I, it's like it's like Grave of the Fireflies when people rent it. I'm like, oh, you're not going to show that to your kids right away. This are is you? not. That this is, is not, not a, a children little, cartoon. Is, no, it's not. Not a children cartoon. No, that's like a t. If they're like 13 or 14, yeah. okay. But yeah, if you're renting this for your little kids. It may look like a cute kid on there, but do not rent it. <laughs> Wait a few years. Um, on a happier... No, somewhat... we're just getting into the sad documentaries. <laughs> That's all I have left on my list. Uh, I want to speak uh, Bill Cunningham, um, New York. Oh, yeah. Love and, that. And also, um, it, what is it? Advanced Style. Advanced Style. So, the, what I'm going to bring up with... Uh, the and, reason um, why Iris. And Iris. Uh All fantastic. Uh, The reason why I bring up Bill Cunningham is it kind of hits that same thing with me that Paragraph 175 does, where he admits, so he is this this beautiful elderly gentleman that bikes around Manhattan to take fashion photography. street fashion photography, and he's been doing it for years. For like 40 40 some odd years, Uh and he is the one who spots the new trends when they're happening. Right. But there's a point that he discusses towards the end of the documentary that he knows he's gay and he's never had a relationship uh-huh. and he has just accepted that he was going to be alone because it, I think a little bit of it was like how his family felt yeah. about gayness uh-huh. and he just accepted this is what I'm going to do in my life that does make me happy and I'm going to utterly give up yeah, the other portion. They go to his apartment and his apartment is a cot and file cabinets. Yep. And he's just... And that's what he does, and everyone, he's beloved. Beloved people, by everybody. People adore him. But it he's just an makes amazingly me so nice sad guy, but that's really sad. That that he just spent his life lonely. Yeah. But everybody knew who he was, and everybody loved him. Um, but yeah. it just kind of broke my heart. But Advanced Style and Iris are just fantastic right. documentaries. Advanced Style is about stylish elderly ladies in New York, and is charming. It's yep. wonderful, it's happy. These ladies have amazing style sense, and I found it super inspirational because there's a couple of them, like, you're going to get your Iris Atfuls and your ladies that are clearly rich and can afford to have this stuff. A lot of the ladies in that just go to thrift stores and make the stuff themselves. Yes. There's this lady that makes necklaces out of old toilet paper rolls, and they're gorgeous because they're just brightly colored and textural. Hecla adores the woman who cuts little snippets off of her hair. To make longer eyelashes for herself. Oh, yes. She makes her own false eyelashes using her hair. Yeah. Hecla adored her. I did, too. She's I, so I love that. I, I know. I just love that. Is this ha- the thing, a show, a movie I've watched yeah. with Tecla? Yeah. And there is an advanced style website that's yeah. just street, street fashion photos yeah. of older people. Yeah. And I found it hugely inspiring. Yeah. I have not seen Iris yet. It's but really I love good. Her. I watched it with Tekla, and it was really good. Yeah. I love that my fact, the fact that I, I didn't start watching it with Tekla. She just walked through the room as I was watching and goes, oh, Mama, that's Iris Apfel. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> and I love the fact that you just. That she knew, yeah. She just knew who she was. <laughs> well, she's got some very stylish people hanging yeah. around her. <laughs> um, depressing. Um. Paradise Lost. I'll take your Paradise Lost and I will raise you a dear Zachary. Oh, that fucking movie. Uh, that 
that movie holds you down and kicks you in your emotional junk. Oh, yeah. Until it's somewhere up around your yeah. shoulder blades. Yeah. I was it's, not prepared for that movie. It is, I was not prepared for what happened to the yeah. kid at all. I didn't. I didn't. I, I did knew not nothing know. About I the knew movie. it was really, really good, and then I watched it, and then there was the hysterical crying. Uh huh. And and then it, it kind of hit me the same way that um, of white light, black rain, mm-hmm. where yeah. it's like now that now that's in my brain. Yeah. Now and that sometimes still kind of makes me angry. Uh, Paradise Lost. Was so upsetting. Yeah. I mean, it's still upsetting. There's, there's even though movies. they're out of jail now, now, it's still super upsetting. Because I was that kid. I yeah. lived in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. I listened to heavy metal music. Whenever a cat was hit by a car within six miles of my house, I was accused of having sacrificed it to the devil. Jesus. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, nope. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> because I wore all black. I wasn't a Satanist or anything back then. That's but, just... Like, yeah, you a were dead just, cat. And, you were just and, weird and Me and the, uh, and the couple of weird kids I hung out in, with in school, that happened. Yeah. Like, a cat got hit by a car, and somebody dragged it up onto the sidewalk or something, and then said Satanists had done it, and everybody was looking at us, because we were the... We're Dungeons and Dragons playing kids who wore black. Ugh. So that movie, when that happened, I was like, oh my god, I was that kid. Yeah. Well, in that same vein, then, we have Decline of Western Civilization. And <laughs> Jilly absolutely loves part two. Well, Jilly is part two. Jilly is part two. I love part one. I love the punk scene. And I am mm-hmm. always going to be more attached to the punk scene than like the glam metal scene i understand that um but the one i truly love and that not as many people have seen is part three i have not seen part three yet it is about the gutter punks Mm -hmm. the 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 transient kids that have all gotten thrown away one way or another yep and it's heartbreaking and they're so young mm-hmm. and already so <laughs> yeah yep you know and they all come a lot of them come from abuse a lot of them come it's just it's it's harrowing um kind of in that same vein is uh is it streetwise that was streetwise, here in yeah. seattle mm-hmm. um which I've started, but I I started trying to watch it at the wrong time. I'd, I'd had, like, a really bad day, and I was like, well, I'm home now. I guess I'll just try and watch this really, really, really depressing documentary uh, on Seattle Street Kids. A friend of mine watched it for the first time, like, two years ago, and one of the characters in it is her cousin. And she's Oy. like, oh my god, I didn't know my cousin was in this movie. He's my favorite cousin. And I loved that. Yeah. But I have not watched the movie. And she's like, he's okay. I'm like, oh, yeah. good. Well, good. <laughs> but, yeah. So, depressing documentaries. Because I've got some really, really, really ones that I've I watched got a couple. I've happy. got Grizzly Man, which isn't so much depressing as fascinating. I've never watched that because that guy just... He's so annoying. And he's like, oh, the bears are my friends. They treat me differently than other people. And then he gets eaten by, by bears. bears. And in a way... I can't understand why those well, space-eating leopards ate my face. 
Well, it's not that bad. First of all, there was a group of bears that he did know that came every summer. Yeah. And they would leave at a certain time of year. And the year he got eaten, he had stayed after those bears had left. So these were bears he had never known before. Yeah. So part of it is that. I mean, but even so, no, dude. But my favorite part is there's a video recording of him being eaten by that, or an audio recording that was being made when he was eaten by the bear. And Werner Herzog listens to it because it was given to this woman that was like his girlfriend. And he tells her, no matter what, you can never listen to this tape. And it was so, it was such a kind thing for him to say, and so true. And I'm sure she would never, she'd never listened to it before. She certainly probably wasn't then. And they gave her his watch that they found in the bear's stomach. And it's, it, but it is a fascinating documentary because you're like, okay, I see what he thinks he's doing. And I can see what he's doing wrong. And it would have happened eventually. But it's not just a documentary about a stupid guy who's making friends with a bear. Who thinks the bears are his friends. There's more to it than that. And it, God, it I love just... Werner Herzog. <laughs> oh, Werner. Um, he has another documentary I love called Encounters at the End of the World. Where he just goes to Antarctica and hangs out in this little town and just interviews people he meets and some of them become friends and show up in later documentaries that he does. And I really like that. It's kind of fun. (laughs) As fun as Werner can get, (laughs) still being himself. But he's got a really great sense of humor and it's very funny. Have you ever seen, this is entirely Jim's fault, have you ever seen the found footage basically movie that he did that he is looking to do a lost monster. In, yeah, in, yeah, he's great. That, that. movie is a delight. Yeah, it's just called the secret. It's mystery of Loch Ness or some incident. Of, incident at Loch Ness. Incident at Loch Ness. Yes, I watched that just because he was in it, and <laughs> it was so dumb and so fun. Yeah, I like that a lot. Jim was when we first started dating, was trying to find where our movie loves interacted, uh-huh. and there and. He would suggest things to me, and I'd be like, no, that sounds horrible. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> and he discovered the joy of, but Jen, it's a faux documentary. Mm. And I'm like, what? It's a oh, faux documentary, no, Jen. That's not it's got Werner Herzog in it. What? And it's got Jeff Goldblum. Oh, Put it in. in yep. <laughs> um, one of the most shitty, horrible um depressing documentaries i've ever seen is a movie called uh children underground basically in romania they outlawed any forms of birth control so there was this huge um in the home of childbirth of childbirth except everybody was broke as fuck and they just hit this point where they would just push them out onto the street um and it's just they have these little lord of the flies groups and because they're yeah. just because they gotta packs. raise themselves so they're, they're feral they're like four to eleven 
uh, they start huffing paint. This, yeah, it's it's really well done, but it is heartbreaking. Where you know Mm -hmm. some of them will go home and try and visit their family, but they're just as fucked up, and they're like, Mm -hmm. "Oh, there's just no place for me here. I guess I have to leave again." And they're children younger than my daughter, and it just that happens. There's a movie called Darwin's Nightmare, and I even heard of this set in Africa, and it's about fishing. It starts off being about commercial fishing, but then it's about the plants where they package the fish and all these poisonous things that come out of the plants and how the people are so poor that for escape, they will burn the plastic. They'll just huff the fumes from the burnt yeah. plastic that the, from the fish packaging. And then they lay down in the streets and you don't know if they're going to sleep or dying. And they're seven-year-olds. God. And it is just... It's uh, it's pretty depressing. Um, um, so is active killing. Have you seen that? I have not. They take these guys who were murderous warlords, and they tell them we're making a film about your crimes, and they get them to reenact what they did to people by telling them they're making this amazing film about their country and their history, and the guys that were murdering people start off acting like it's really funny and it's a joke. They're like, oh yeah, we used to bring people here. We'd wrap a wire around their neck and just pull real tight till they died. And it's just them telling the stories and people telling the stories about how, yeah, one day my brother, we didn't know where he was and we found him murdered in the street by one of the warlords. And it is harrowing. And it's one you can't watch twice. Yeah. But it's really interesting. It won, I think it won an Oscar a few years ago. Yeah. But it's, it's a rough, it's a rough watch. Yeah. Um, another one that's both kind of uplifting and, and a hard watch is just titled 9-11. There are these two brothers that were basically doing a documentary on a fire department. Um, and they were the responders to 9-11 and they just, they were just there. And so yeah. they actually go in the building um, with them. Like, they're in the lobby before it collapses. <sighs> because they're just following the responders. Because they were going to do a yeah. documentary on and this. And those responders. God, fucking heroes. Didn't make it yeah. out. No, a lot the of one, them didn't. Some and the ones did. that did make it out are dying from lung infections exactly. and stuff. It's, yeah. yeah, it's really but messed it's, up. It's, a, it's an amazing documentary. Um, I'll check that out. Really I know really we have a whole 9-11 documentary section yeah so I'll see if I can find that one uh, let's see how about some nature documentaries I don't like them I love microcosmos which is a French oh microcosmos is delightful it is you will never care so much about anything as you care about whether or not that dung beetle is gonna get that ball of poop rolled up that <laughs> hill it I, rolls back down a couple times, and you're, like, rooting for him. Go, little beetle! Yeah, I remember when it came out, um, because I was living in Uptown, Minneapolis, and, mm-hmm. and it got this theater. It was this five-screen multiplex that uh-huh. just did independent, and and it showed Microcosmos. And I remember just, it was amazing watching this little animal that looks like a little rhino. And it's just a little bug, because it's just, just a French And he's just trying to roll his little ball of poop up a hill, and he can't do it, and... You become so entwined emotionally into his story. (laughs) Um, I find I do that with the crows when I'm feeding them. I know, Buzzy. 
Buzzy and Hoppity Wonto. <laughs> I wanted to use the crow's cool names. I was like, that will be Sebastien. Nope. Buzzy. That will be Montresor. <laughs> nope. It's Buzzy and Hoppity Wonto. <laughs> Documentaries that I watch that make me happy is... Yes, let's finish with documentaries that make us happy because we have depressed the crap out of everyone. We have Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue because it is Lance Hendrickson narrating a discussion of the history of horror and the social... Um, I have like, never heard of that. Oh. And you would think that being me... Yeah, you'd have heard of it. No, he's he's narrating the whole thing. And it's a lot of like the social aspects that were driving horror. See, that's um, the stuff that interests me. Exactly, me too. I love it. Um, another one is Never Sleep Again, which is a four-hour documentary on um, the behind-the-scenes of every Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And there's so much love and joy that you don't notice four hours passing. Oh, and I have not seen that because it's four hours long. It passes in a heartbeat, um, and it's have you so seen, much fun. Uh, what's it called? American American, American scary. scary, which is yes. the home haunt, guys. Yes. yes, and I love how passionate oh, every one of them so is, and they're love. all in their different ways that they haunt the houses. They, they, oh my god, it is like there's like there's like a guy Christmas. and his whole family. They love to do a huge haunt, and they yep. build a maze, and, they and then there's so these much work like, in it. Two brothers, brothers who or the, are the dad and son. A dad and yeah, but the two They're brothers who are the dad yeah. and son are mentally handicapped. handicapped. But they they do it and they just love it. But so they much. love their Halloween displays and yeah. they try to build all this stuff. And themselves. It's not. It is a love song. It to is a love song to in Halloween. Yeah, it is just that's, so wonderful. That documentary makes me really happy. I think I saw that in the, at the Grand Illusion recently, Aww. or a couple of years ago. I love bright lights. Which is the documentary? Oh, that movie's so sweet. It, it is not. It is so much a documentary. I it's mean, just it is spending time with Carrie Fisher uh -huh. and Debbie Reynolds uh -huh. and their relationship and how she laughs about how her and her mom live in adjoining properties, but you have to go up a little hill to get to her mom's house. Right, and that is as much as she needs to still have a good relationship with her mom. Is that hill? Is that little hill? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, um, what they do to make a living and to... Yeah, and like, yeah, and I love the part where the mom is so, is laying on a cot backstage because she's so sick, but she's getting an honorary Oscar. Yeah. And Carrie helps her up, and she walks out on the stage by herself and does the... And it's beautiful. She is definitely Debbie Reynolds. And then she comes off the stage, and they have to almost carry her to the car. Yeah. But when she's on stage, she is on stage. Yeah. yeah, I really yeah. like that. What about that Carol Channing documentary? Oh, yeah, I loved that too. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think we ta actually talked we did. about we that talked last about week. We talked about it really thoroughly. Um, um, Paris is burning. That's on my list. I love Paris is burning. I love I am divine. I love I am divine of... is great. It's by the same documentary that did that one about the gay porn star. Same documentary. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> uh, there is, as long as we're talking about your gay documentaries, there's mm -hmm. one called Joe Bryath. Oh, Joe Bryath is fantastic. Oh, I love it. I am so pleased with the... Basically, this young, just gorgeous, like, starred yeah. in uh, the original cast of Hair. Yeah, he and was then... just this beautiful, talented gay musician 
who just who the company decided we're going to market as the first gay rock first openly gay, gay rock, rock star, star. Um, and um, and they just over marketed him and mm-hmm. the first album just kind of like yeah failed and then it's, I think it was just called a Jobriath AD is what yeah. the documentary is called yeah. I saw it in the theater and I was absolutely in love with it. And then they talk about some of the things he had envisioned for future stage shows. Oh, just and they so... never could have done that. No, ever. Like, there, no one would ever. Even today, if you did that, it would shock people. Yeah. But it's it's a delight. It is a delight. Um, one that I really love because I I love character actors mm-hmm. so much. I love those yeah. those lesser known. And there's a documentary called the guy that guy who was in that thing and they have a second one that was done about four years later called that gal that was uh-huh. in that thing and it is just talking to character actors about sometimes you just need to have a wealthy brother who's a dentist yeah who can send you money to pay your rent that that yep you know yeah and oh i married well and there are these people who you know their faces. You know mm-hmm. you've seen them in a million years. But you know days. they're not making a lot of money. And they are not making a lot of See, money. I'm obsessed with, so expensive. I love character actors from like the the forties. Like yes. I am possibly the only living Ned Sparks fan. <laughs> I just and uh like all the people that are in the Capra films that you see, Ralph Meeks, those guys. Yeah. And they weren't, yeah. They were known for being that mm-hmm. character. Yeah. But and, nobody knew their name. Right. Have you seen the movie Ball of Fire? It's basically, it's got uh, Barbara Stanwyck, Stanwyck in it. Stanwyck, where she's got it's Snow she's White the, and the Seven Dwarfs, yeah. except it's Barbara Stanwyck, yeah. And all of the men in it, with the exception of the leading man, they're all character, character actors. actors. I've I seen in a hundred things. I've, I've always wanted to see that, and I never it's, have. It is... It's um, it's great. I show it at my seniors. <laughs> I show it to my senior citizens regularly, and there is nothing unlikable about that movie. That sounds wonderful. Well, I could mention, you know, a couple other more. Depre- oh God, the bridge. Nope. Denied. We're trying to talk about happy things. I really liked Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Speaking of Werner Herzog. Oh my goodness. So there's this and cave. And we're done. <laughs> yes. There's a cave in France that it has Stone Age artwork all over oh, it. Oh, wow. And it is hermetically sealed and no one is allowed to go in. And they let Werner Herzog go in. He had to build narrow pathways because he couldn't walk on, on, on the floor. They didn't want to introduce any bacteria from the outside world. And there are these giant pictures of horses and the way the camera moves back, they're almost alive. Oh. And it's called and Cave of Dreams? It's Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Wow. And there's like these, just the skulls. The floor is covered with cave bear skulls that have been there since there were cave bears. And there's like one place, there's like a giant wolf footprint next to a little boy's footprint. And it's this, or like there's a little... There's a little niche in the wall where someone has laid a marble, and that marble has been there for a very, very long time. And it was originally filmed in 3D. And seeing it in 3D is spectacular. But seeing it in 2D is still pretty damn good. Well, I think that's a perfect thing to end on. All right.
Well, thank you for listening. And thank you for uh, allowing us to explore a different uh, a podcast different genre. Yeah. We will never stop loving horror movies, but every once in a while, you got to take a little break. Exactly. And watch a really depressing or watch a really or depressing, depressing documentary. Or a not depressing documentary. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Have a, have a great night and talk to you again in two weeks. Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at drtlpodcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and fiends about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>